transgressions to the Lord. And you create the iniquity of my sin. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor miserable sinner, confess to you all my sins and iniquities, with which I have ever offended you, and justly deserve your punishment, now and forever. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a Upon this, your confession, I, as a called and ordained servant of the Word, announce the grace of God to all of you. And in the stead, and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The introit is in your bulletin. I'll be chanting the first two lines, and then you can join with me.
The Old Testament reading for the fourth Sunday in Advent is from the 40th chapter of Isaiah. Comfort. Yes, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. The epistles from the fourth chapter of Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in my mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tearing, O my God, Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. Now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you, that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who, coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the Gospel of the Lord. The Nicene Creed, page 141. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, 
and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated. The choir will be singing stanza number one, and then we will join with them. Thank you. 
Our sermon text is from Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. Let your gentleness be known to all men. This is our text. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Today's epistle is from Philippians chapter 4. It begins with the words, Rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say, Rejoice. This is an exhortation to all Christians that they are to rejoice in all circumstances. Now, Philippians 4 also has uh, these words as well, which come a little bit later and kind of put it in its context. St. Paul says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He tells them to rejoice. And a little bit later, he speaks about the contentment in which we are to be thankful at all times. And so there is rejoicing and there is thanksgiving. Now, thanksgiving is always directed towards God. And yes, before there is thanksgiving, there needs to be faith in Jesus Christ. And so, with the knowledge that God loves us and has given us the forgiveness of sins, um, that he has promised to give out his gifts, our, our response to him is always one of thanksgiving. But Paul earlier speaks about rejoicing, and, and it's related to thanksgiving, but rejoicing is always directed towards our neighbor. Just as we maintain the distinction between faith in God and love towards the neighbor, so also there is a distinction between thanksgiving before God and the rejoicing that we exhibit before our neighbor. So today we'll take a look at the rejoicing part. But before we can rejoice, we need to speak about justice. Justice. Now I'm not talking about uh, uh, modern uh, uh, changing of the definition of justice to mean something like equality. I'm talking about true justice. Justice is about administration of the law. Justice would include an assigning, an assignment of merit, merited rewards or punishment based upon the law. There are certain rights which are accorded by a following of the law, and there are certain punishments that come and are to be applied with the breaking of the law. That is justice, getting what you deserve. But it doesn't take long in the discussion about justice before someone brings up impartiality. Impartial. Well, the simplest of this is when the child says, It's not fair! We like the idea of strict justice in which there is no impartiality. However, the application is not always so pleasant. We like the idea, not the application. It isn't long before we start crying out for leniency and exceptions to the rule. So in the scriptures we learn that God has delivered to us his law. And it's not an easy law to keep. Because his law judges not just outward actions, but even the motivation and the intent of the heart. God doesn't just desire us to not harm our neighbor. He also desires and expects us that we would help and befriend our neighbor in every need. Well, it doesn't take long before we realize that God's law sets up high marks. Marks that are so high that we cannot keep them perfectly. And if according to strict justice there is no, well, partial credit, <laughs> um, well, <coughs> then we're lost. I mean, there are many who are ignorant of the law, and they would say things like, well, you just have to, uh, as long as you try. Or they might say, just do the best that you can. But strict justice requires perfection. And God's law, I tell you, requires strict justice. 
So listen to a few of the scripture passages that speak this way. Leviticus 19, verse 2. Speak to all the congregation, the children of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Where does God set the bar? At his holiness. Very high. Matthew 5.48 Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. No, not do the best you can. Perfection. James 2, verse 10, explains strict justice. For whoever shall keep the whole law yet stumble at just one point, he is guilty of all. No partial credit, it is all or nothing. Break the law, even once, and you are guilty. And finally, Galatians 3, verse 10, quotes Deuteronomy 27, which says this, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. According to strict justice, God assigns the curse, the curse of hell to those who break the law. That's it. Well, when we return to Philippians, the epistle reading for today, we find that Paul is not maintaining strict justice when it comes to our relationships with our fellow man. He says things like this, Let your gentleness be known to all men. Instead of strict justice, St. Paul is telling us to soften the blow with our neighbor. St. Paul speaks of gentleness toward the neighbor. This rejoicing which we are to do before the neighbor shows itself in our moderation before them. It is shown in our gentleness. It is shown in our love. Before other people, Christians are to be gentle. They're to be willing to yield. This Christian attitude is quite different from strict justice. Now think about it. It would be disastrous if we held our neighbor to the strict justice of the law. So, our neighbor brought us over some soup. We shouldn't criticize them that, uh, well, now it is lukewarm by the time it arrives. If someone rakes your leaves, you shouldn't tell them they didn't do a thorough job. Strict justice. If someone comes to church, you don't lay into them for being ten minutes late. When someone gives you a gift, you don't belittle them for getting the wrong size. You see, this attitude is also seen as we deal with our fellow believer at church. If they nod off during the sermon, you don't call out their name to try to wake them up. Now, according to strict justice, yeah, sleeping during the sermon, yeah, it's despising preaching and God's word. But moderation teaches us to be gentle. We do care. If they are trying to stay awake, we do care if they're doing the best they can. Did they have a rough night? Can I give you a mint or a piece of gum? Or, I'm glad you're at least able to listen to the readings and sing the hymns. Moderation. As Paul says, gentleness. Maybe you know of the person who has made themselves a kind of walking law for others. Everything they do or says makes you feel poorly. They have made themselves the model, the rule. They expect everyone to follow their standards. This attitude is not love and gentleness towards others. But maybe you have noticed that they are strict only in regards to certain areas the gardener expects everyone to have a pristine lawn and all of the weeds picked. The crafty decorator expects everyone to have an immaculate house which is decorated according to season. The auto mechanic is appalled when someone doesn't keep their car regularly maintained, vacuumed, and washed. But is it needless for me to say that the mechanic's garden or the gardener's car or the mechanic's household, decorations, they're not all to the same standards. 
No, no one can do everything that they say or they're supposed to do. When Paul says, let your gentleness be known to all men, he is teaching just exactly what we are required to show our neighbor, which is love and gentleness. Let me cite you some appropriate passages also, which teaches us that we're not to hold our neighbor to strict justice, but to show them leniency and, and compassion. Genesis 6, verse 2 says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And thus, if our neighbor falls short in some error, we're not to judge, but to help them. Help them to, well, to do, even do their part for them, if you can. Ephesians 4, 1 through 2 says, Walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. You see, love involves adapting your gentleness according to them, not forcing them to adapt to you. Love and gentleness leads you to comfort and fit yourself to your neighbor rather than to make everyone conform and fit themselves to your benefit. Colossians 3, 12-13 Therefore, as elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, Bear with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. And so in love and gentleness we overlook. We even forgive the many shortcomings and offenses. Thus you see that there is a quite a bit of a difference between strict justice and moderate justice. Before God's law... We are held to strict justice. In fact, we even hold ourselves to God's strict justice. That's why we confess our sins and our shortness. But we hold our neighbor to a gentleness and compassion. We bend over backward to be kind and to help them. Before I go on, and I think you already know, that God's strict justice of the law, and it is there, of course, but it is not his final word. Our Heavenly Father also has a message of God's gospel, which forgives all the transgressions of God's strict law. With the advent, that is, the coming of Jesus Christ, our God shows us a love which has no bounds. He forgives our sins. He creates faith and gives us a new heart. He showers us with the Holy Spirit and the gift of sanctification. He makes us His child and He continues to teach us. And we are blessed. And thus, to return to Paul, we rejoice. We rejoice always. And again, I say, rejoice. Despite our failures, we know we have a loving God that is patient. He loves and He loves us, and He befriends us again and again. Just as we have learned to be content and to give thanks always, so now Paul says that our rejoicing in God's goodness. Well, is to be always as well. That is, the rejoicing that we have, though it is usually hampered by the actions of others, it need not be. Our rejoicing is not dependent upon the actions of others. We are not called to change others, neither are we called to hold them to strict justice. We are to rejoice in our salvation and we're to show it by our gentleness towards others. You see, it is a joy. What a joy to know that nothing is necessary for the Christian but faith towards God and rejoicing, love towards our neighbor. Even as we speak of the truth, we're to put our best construction upon everything our neighbor does. We speak in truth, but we're not to be headstrong and unyielding in our way. As long as we are not forced to sin, we are willing to give in to cover over the sins, the weaknesses, and the ignorance of others. So this leads me to that final application of our rejoicing. While we are showering, showering love, while we, while we are being gentle, gentle to all men, Matthew 5, verse 44 says this, 
But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. As a Christian, you are to rejoice, even while being treated poorly. If someone wrongs you or harms you, regard it as good and think the best of it. Because first, you are called to rejoice in God's love towards you because it enables you to love your neighbor with gentleness. And that neighbor includes your enemy or anyone who hurts you. Their wrong action does not prevent you from being loving and gentle. You see, that's all that you are required to do to love them. We hope that they are turned from their sin. We hope that they receive the Lord's forgiveness, for that is the Lord's doing. But you are only called to show them gentleness. Second, their wrong action can do no harm to your faith. Should they take away your goods, your God will still find a way to give you your daily bread. Your God has more to give than they can take away. Should they harm your body, they cannot harm your soul. You will receive a resurrection, even of your body. Though others are mad and hateful, we can still be gentle. Though we cannot make our gentleness please everyone, we can still show them love. The worst that they can say is that you are gentle. St. Paul explains that we ought to have rejoicing. He says in verse 8, Because the Lord is near, you see, with God on our side, nothing can harm us. But you might ask, you know what? I fear the wicked. I fear that they will take advantage and they will harm us for our gentleness. Well, if there was no God, then yes, that would be a concern. But with a God who is near, we need not fear. He has much more than people can take away from you. He promises to stand by you and to be with you. Paul says, be anxious for nothing. That is, we need not worry. He has all things in his hands. Love your neighbor. So to return to our impartiality, Christian gentleness is to be gentle and whole, not unequal and partial. The gentleness which we at times show towards our family and friends is also to be directed towards our enemy. If someone wrongs you and harms you, regard it as good and rejoice that God is providing an opportunity for you to show gentleness to all men. What joy it is to know that nothing is necessary for the Christian but faith towards God and love toward the neighbor. Those who rejoice are satisfied that they have peace with God. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. And Romans 15:13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, and may you abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, give your hearts and minds in faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Creating Me, page Let us pray to the Lord. Lord Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord God, the promised prophet from among the brothers and the Christ. We give you thanks that you have granted us eternal life so that we hear your voice in the person of your Son and listen to him. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord O oh Lord, give your people an abundance of joy and peace. 
Give them hearts which desire to attend your services and rejoice in all the circumstances with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving and praise. Give them a peace which transcends all understanding, that their hearts and minds will not be led astray, but guarded even unto eternal life. Give all pastors in Christ, including our Bishop James and our pastors Gary and Michael, the humility of St. John the Baptist, so that they do not regard their person, but only concern themselves with being a voice which agrees with God's holy word. We commend to you the children of our learning center so that they celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ come in the flesh. Uphold our director Keeley as well as our staff. Be with St. Mary's Evangelical Lutheran Church in the Philippines as well as with Pastor Phil Moore. Let us pray to the Lord. Grant that our President Joe, our Governor J.B., our Mayor Steve, and all our leaders, that they may be dedicated to their callings, grow daily in wisdom, and have a genuine concern for the people God has placed in their care. Bless our police officers, especially Daniel and Alex, and the members of our armed forces, especially Danny, Jason, and Blake, and others who must be separated from their families during the holy days around Christmas, that they may be kept safe until they are reunited. We also bring before you the lonely during the holidays, and we ask uh, that their hope might be firmly fixed in you. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord Bless Carolyn, our shut-in, Violet and Tom, our elderly. Be with the needs of Kevin, Stan, Jack, Levi, Jennifer, Victor and Marcia, Anita, and Marilyn. We ask your blessing upon our students, most take a break from their studies, that they might be refreshed with Sarah and Sadie, Jonathan, Kara, Alexis, Ashley, Cameron, and Benjamin and Jacob. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord O Lord, Heavenly Father, we here remember the sufferings and death of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation. Praising his victorious resurrection from the dead, we draw strength from his ascension before you, where he ever stands for us as our own high priest. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth, to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. For to you alone we give all glory, honor, and worship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
heaven and earth, we praise and thank you for having had mercy on those whom you created, sending your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Hear us as we pray in his name and as he has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
and there is nothing hidden from its feet. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever.
We give thanks to Almighty God that you have refreshed us through this dietary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same, in faith towards you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Bless we the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Oh.